0: Balls high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin! And this game is underway with a bang! This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Say what you want about this Wisconsin Badgers team, but man... They sure know how to play a great 36, 37 minutes, don't they? Can really put together a game plan, really put together a performance for the first 35 minutes. They lost at home last night, 67-59. And much like the Michigan-Wisconsin score from this previous weekend, the score really doesn't indicate how close and how competitive of a game it was. And, and don't get me wrong, credit to both teams. They both did a lot of things well. And you credit Michigan State for for playing as well as they did in the Kohl Center, which we've seen teams... Not be able to do that this year. And I credit Wisconsin and what they were able to do. Hanging with a team like Michigan State. With a coach like Tom Izzo. And the talent they have up and down the floor. But Wisconsin, for God's sake. it's Sometimes it's like watching a broken record with this team. Because you watch them put together a brilliantly executed game plan. As ugly and as dirty as it was. For the first 35 minutes. They really crapped their pants. Crapped the bed in the final four or five minutes. Actually, for those of you who followed really closely last night, you might have noticed, the Badgers didn't score from the five twenty mark. Five minutes and 20 seconds, they went without scoring. To 10 seconds left in the second half. So they to close the game, the, the 10 seconds at the end w- were moot. I, I don't care about that. That's garbage time points. They went five minutes and 20 seconds. The most important five minutes of the game, which are the last five minutes, they absolutely could not tell their right hand from their left. I get so sick of watching this team. And that's why we talked about it on Monday when I was talking about the Badgers and how even though they were winning, they had won six games in a row and were appearing to be in the middle of playing some of their best basketball of the year. I said, sometimes I watch this team even in wins and I want to absolutely pull my hair out and stab knives into my eyes because I hate at times watching this team. And last night was just another brilliant example the Badgers lose to Michigan State at the Kohl Center last night, 59-67. Meanwhile, our other team in state that we were talking a little bit about on Monday, Marquette won 92-73. Their leading scorer, Marcus Howard, had 36. Sam Hauser had 17. Another score in double digits with 12. Wow. Wouldn't that be nice? Meanwhile, the Badgers had 23 from Hap. Not, not 23, excuse me, 20. Reavers had 11. And then Demetri and then Trice had two... Brad Davison had nine, you can not even get your two starting guards, neither one in double digits, God, this team, 608-796-2558, and that's not the worst of it, that's the five-star telecom, talking text line, by the way, I'd love to talk Badgers with you here, as we kick off the Wisco Sports Show, that's not even the worst part, not just that the Badgers lost, and in the way that they lost, failing to score in the final six minutes of the game, if that wasn't bad enough, last night, Michigan lost as well, and so did Purdue, Last night, the basketball gods, the Big Ten gods, lowered their hand down from basketball heaven and said, here, Badgers, here's a golden opportunity on the silver platter. We're going to have Penn State, who's been an absolute pile of crap this entire season. They're going to get their second, number two, second conference win of the season, and they're going to take down Michigan, and you're going to be able to pull even closer to the Big Ten lead, and you can continue the stretch of good basketball. But no. You didn't grab onto that. Purdue lost as well. No, you didn't grab onto that. Why would you? Instead, you decided not to score for the final five minutes and 20 seconds of the game, and Ethan Hatt missed all six of his free throws. God. Badgers could have pulled within a game last night of the Big Ten lead. Instead... They don't take advantage of that opportunity. They still trail Michigan State, Michigan, and Purdue, and Maryland. We'll get into that here in about five or six minutes. I want to talk more about the Big Ten Conference as a whole, because last night was a golden opportunity. And you know what? I As frustrated as I have been watching this Badgers team, and don't get me wrong, they're probably still going to remain a top 25 team. That's the interesting wrinkle in all of this. This is still a, a competitive team. But what's so damn frustrating is I watch this team, and they can't execute. They cannot play the game that they are designed to play that they are built to play. Greg Gard, Bo Ryan before him, Bennett before him, and you see it in Virginia as well, this ugly, slow-paced, drag the shot clock down to zero, play nasty defense, and make superior teams. Tom Izzo coach teams with more talent play down to your level, and they can do it. A team with, with listen to this, Demetric Trice with two points, Khalil Iverson with two points, Brad Davison with nine, Reavers with 11, and only, let's see, 13, 15 points off your bench because Charlie Thomas decided to actually do something for once in his life since his sophomore year and scored two points. They did it. Even with that crappy stat line, they were right there. They were right there. And I'm not calling for Greg Gard to be fired. That doesn't solve any problem. That's just silly. That's, that's illogical. But last night's win, you can look Greg Gard square in the eye and say, what the hell was that in the final 520? Because the whole idea of Bennett Ball, which is essentially what this is, it started with Dick Bennett. It continued with Bo Ryan, Greg Gard now, and you see it over in Virginia with, with um, Tony Bennett as well slow it down, play ugly basketball, drag the shot clock down, shorten the game so you don't have the scores, you don't have the offensive firepower to keep up with these teams, but you're not going to make the game about offense, you're going to shorten it as much as possible. It would be the equivalent of playing good defense and running the football in the NFL, which we see the Seahawks do, the Cowboys did this last year. They executed it, and then they get to the final couple minutes, and and they absolutely piss down their leg, they don't know how to handle themselves. Because now it's to the point where, wait, we can't just run an entire shot clock down and heave up a shot and hope that everything's going to be okay. Because in crunch time, we play by different rules. We might have to go to the free throw line. God forbid, because we know that's a nightmare. Ethan Happ was 0-6 for last night. And this is even a worse stat. We know about Ethan Happ's woes shooting free throws. 35% in conference play. Ethan Happ is a 35% free throw shooter in conference play this year. So the very... Way that the Badgers are constructed to play. Bennett ball. Let's just call it that. Let's just abbreviate it as Bennett ball. Slow. Ugly. Game's going to be close. They can't handle themselves in late game situations. But they're always going to be there. Because the Badgers aren't going to out. They're not going to outscore anyone. They're not going to outrun anyone. So it's always going to be close at the end. Badgers can't handle it. Because they can't shoot free throws. And they can't play situational basketball. Because when they get into the final four, five minutes. The Badgers went scoreless for about the last five minutes of the game last night. Just dribble out the clock. All Alright, let's run the shot clock down. And it's, it has become Ethan, or not Ethan Happ, but Demetric Trice and Brad Davison sitting at the top of the key waiting for a ball screen and heaving, them up, heaving one up with three seconds to go. Because you can't go to Ethan Happ, you can't go to your best player because they're just going to foul him and why wouldn't they? God, it's frustrating to watch. And far be it from me, I'm not a basketball coach, I'm not a sports psychologist, but I watch Ethan Happ shoot free throws. And we all have a dad or an uncle who you watch games with, and they think they know more than the coach, right? They think that they should be out there playing instead. I'm not trying to take on that role, so bear with me here for a moment. I watch Ethan Happ shoot free throws, and so much has been made. I saw Gottlieb, Doug Gottlieb from Fox Sports, talking about it last night. Dan Dakich was talking about it. And the form with which Ethan Happ shoots his free throws. L- let me just create a, a hypothetical situation. So Ethan Happ shoots free throws when he brings the ball all the way up from his hip, all the way up from his pocket. His shooting motion starts at his waist. Not a basketball coach, not a sports psychologist. Let's try to use the most basic logic possible to explain this, right? What I'm going to pose this question: Why do you dunk a basketball? Why do you Why do you dunk a basketball if you have a wide open breakaway? Or you are, or somebody is trailing you, and they're going to attempt to block you from behind. Why do you dunk a basketball? You dunk a basketball because there's almost zero percent chance that it's going to go wrong. If you kiss it up off the glass, well, now it can be blocked, right? If you pull up for a jumper, well, now you're bringing the ball up from the waist. You you have to work on your follow through. There's a lot. There's many many different mechanical aspects of a jump shot or a layup. A dunk just set it in the damn hoop. It's the simplest shot on the planet, right? So when so when you back up right, you use a hook shot or a layup, it's still not a jump shot, your, your feet are for the most part remaining on the ground, it's still a simple, a simple mechanical process, right, you're going up, you're kissing the ball off the glass, now when you start shooting a deep jumper or a three pointer, there's a little bit more to it, right, your delivery starts a little bit lower down, you're jumping completely off the floor, there's a lot more area and a lot more mechanical processes going on in a jump shot, there's a lot more space for something to go wrong. Because you're bringing your ball from from the waist, you bring it way up against your head. You're not dunking it. A dunk is easy. Anybody with the size and the athleticism can dunk. Jump shots are more difficult, and that's why we see a lot of post players can't shoot a jump shot. Why should Ethan Happ be bringing the ball from his waist? Because the motion from the waist up into the point where the ball is actually released, that's just space for things to go wrong. That's all it is. So, so I, that's the question I have. Whoever is working on Ethan Happ's form, by the way, he's regressed every year since his Freshman or sophomore year. He's remained at or around 50%. And then this year he's just tanked. Who designed that free throw shooting form? You don't need to start with it way down here. He's almost seven feet tall. He lifts weights how many times a week? He's a division one athlete. He's got the strength to get the ball there. Why don't you jump from the free throw line? Because that's space for things to go wrong. So why you would bring the ball from your hip pocket all the way up to the release? That's just opportunity for Ethan Hap to get in his own mind. And for things in the mechanics of the jump shot itself, or in this case, the free throw to go wrong. That's just another, just pile that onto the burning dumpster fire that was the Wisconsin Badgers down the stretch last night. And I know we got to put it into perspective. Badgers are probably still going to be a top 25 team. They're still going to make the NCAA tournament, and they're still near the top of the Big Ten. So I'm mad about last night's game, but. Let's put it in perspective. They're 17-8. and eight. They'll they they'll be fine. They're going to make the tournament, and they're going to lose in an ugly game just like they had last night. A game that they absolutely should have or could have won, should I say. That's why it's frustrating. 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talk and text line is wide open. Bob says, if I played the Badgers, my defense would be hack-a-hap. He is pathetic at the free throw line. He's awful. He was 0-6 last night. Well, Ethan Happ is a tremendous player. But this is what separates... We all talk about how Ethan Happ's not going to be a good NBA player, right? This is just a microcosm of that. You need to be able to do the little things well. You can't have gaping holes in your game. It'd be like Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback, being able to do everything right. right? Except he, he couldn't catch a snap in the shotgun. Like that one little thing. As a quarterback, if you're not able to at least improve to a level of competence at, let's say, catching a snap, you're not going to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. Because no matter what else you do well... It's all going to come down to catching a snap. Free throws for big man, yeah, they're pretty important. By the way, in case you didn't know. Last night the Badgers lost to Michigan State. It was closer than the score said 67 59. I want to talk more about this game and about the Big Ten as a whole because Marquette won last night. That was the comparison we were making on Monday, if you remember. I love the NBA. There's times where I like college basketball. Last night was a perf- a picture-perfect example of what I cannot stand at times about college basketball, specifically this Wisconsin team. And I'm a Wisconsin fan. Kind of because I have to be at this point, because I'm sure as hell not having fun watching the team. If they would have won last night, I would have been frustrated as hell today. A little bit different tone, but I still would have been frustrated. That's not a good product. That's not a good game of basketball. No one wants to watch that. The Kohl Center wasn't nearly as energetic as I was going to thought it was be last night. It was it was a red out, right? And it was so so up in arms and on fire against Maryland a couple of weeks ago. Last night, this game was putrid for the most part on both sides. Well, that's Big Ten basketball. Well, yeah, then that's a product I don't want to watch. We'll continue the conversation coming up next. Wisco Sports Show on here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolling on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having a good night. Thanks for tuning in. A little frustrated to start the show today. We'll try to bring things back down to a uh, to a sane level. The Badgers lost last night to the Michigan State Spartans, 67-59. And it's the same old story. That's why it's so damn frustrating. This team loses for the same reasons. And then they don't adjust. Last night, the, the crux of it all, even with Ethan Happ, Going 0 of 6 from the free throw line. I've started to approach that as somewhat of a lost cause. But they don't score for the final just over 5 minutes of the ball game. That That's on coaching. That's on Greg Gard to to, to see that. It's one thing for it to happen in one game. But to be putrid and ineffective on offense. Outside of Dimitri Trice and Brad Davison trying to play hero ball. And on the off chance that doesn't work. Which is going to be, uh, spoiler alert, 80% of the time you need to have a little bit more structure and a little bit more of a game plan. Maybe just a little bit more of an idea of what the hell you're actually going to do. Because dribbling out the shot clock, calling for a ball screen, and heaving a three is not going to beat Tom Izzo and John Beeline. And you know what? I'm not a huge Matt Painter fan, but it's not going to beat Purdue either. And that's who they're staring up at right now in the Big Ten. Last night was a golden opportunity. Purdue lost. Michigan lost to Penn State. It's not like Michigan lost to an elite team. Penn State got their second conference win. Second conference win of the season last night, beating Michigan at home. And the basketball gods, like I said, just extending their hand down from basketball heaven. Here you go, Badgers. Take it. You can separate. You can really thrust yourself into the competition for the top of the Big Ten in the regular season title. And the Badgers are like, no, thank you. <laughs> not tonight. We have putrid offense to conduct and free throws to miss. No, thank you. Our Your opportunity does not interest us. In the slight, I I was thinking earlier today, because now it's a huge logjam. It is a a cluster you-know-what at the top of the Big Ten. So we got Michigan State and Michigan currently tied at the top. 11-3 11-3 and three in the conference. A half a game back is Purdue after the loss last night. A full game back is Maryland. And then the Badgers are now two games back. And the Iowa Hawkeyes are two and a half back. It starts to separate a little bit after that. So it's a huge logjam. And after last night, I, I was actually thinking, and maybe this is the fact that I grew up listening to, to probably too much classic country. Uh, I, I thought of like the ancient George Jones song. Ancient is probably a little bit disrespectful. Ancient to me. Not like Diamond Rio old classic country, right? Or Black Hawk. Or Alan Jackson from the 90s. This is getting back there. I, I thought of the races on. And here comes the song. Here comes pride up the backstretch. Yeah, here comes Purdue. Heartache coming to the inside. Yeah, here comes Michigan losing to Penn State. Purdue, yeah, I'll have a loss. I'll have a loss. Everybody gets a loss last night. Because nobody wants to grab a hold of this conference. Now the race is on and here comes pride Michigan, the Purdue. to the inside. My tears are holding back. Not quite not they fell last night My heart's out of the Badgers aren't out of it
1: but they might as well be
0: and like and the, the Badgers Michigan, all. Purdue. nobody wanted to win last night. Nobody wants a, nobody wants any business winning this regular season title. Even Michigan who looked as elite as elite gets earlier this season. they didn't lose till I, I don't know weeks in. And nobody wants nobody wants it. Just not interested. Nope. We'd rather we have free throws to miss. We have putrid offense to conduct. And we have five minutes at the end of the game that we have reserved for getting shut out. We don't score in the final five minutes of the game because we don't know how to run a regular offense. Normally what we do is we just run the shot clock down all the way till about five seconds, and then we throw it in and let Ethan Hap do something. And then at the end we can give it to Ethan Hap. Can't do that because he'll get fouled, as he should, and he won't make those free throws, shooting 35% in conference play. So it's either going to be Demetri Trice, who, by the way, only scored two points last night, or Brad Davison trying to play hero ball. Brad Davison wasn't that much better for his the accolades and the, the star, in quotes, because he plays for Wisconsin. The treatment that he gets, he scored nine points. He was no better. Outside of Ethan Hab, there's not a whole lot going on in this team. I was excited to just see Charlie Thomas actually score. Remember a handful of years ago? When he was a freshman, a sophomore, and absolutely a mountain of a man, and we're like, wow, just wait until he gets a handle. Wait until he gets a little bit of touch or a little bit of a shot or the ability to shoot a free throw or a three-pointer, and over the course of three years, none of that ever happened. Just like Khalil Iverson never became a skilled player. Just like Brevin Pritzel is still non-existent all these years later. No interest. We have absolutely no interest in winning the Big Ten. No interest in taking that opportunity last night. Now, of course, I'm not saying that the the players even knew about I mean, they were on the court, right? But that's a game you have to win. And and I talked to Ebo last week from The Zone, our sister station in Madison, and I said, hey, tough three-game stretch. Minnesota on the road, Michigan on the road, and Michigan State at home is is one out of three. If you go one and two in that stretch, you win one out of three. Is that a success? And Ebo's like, I guess I'll take it, but I'm hoping for two out of three. The Badgers easily could have won three out of three. Had they just be able to figure it out and pull their head out of their you-know-what in the final five and six minutes of both of these games against Michigan and Michigan State, because they were right there. As ugly and as putrid of an offense as they run, and as poorly as they've shot, and as crummy as they've been from the free throw line, and as little production as they've got out of the bench, they were right there. Right there. And like I said, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, because I have to watch this product of basketball that I absolutely get sick of, even when they win. Not my favorite thing to watch. Still got to watch it. And the Badgers are still going to be top 25 come the next set of rankings and they're still going to make the tournament. And they're going to lose in the tournament. Mark my way. Hey, is this mic on? Let's make sure this mic is on. The Badgers will lose in the tournament whether it's the first round, second round, third round. They're going to lose a game that they probably should have or could have won because they can hit free throws and they can not execute down the stretch. Just like they couldn't in the first couple of years when Greg Gard and Nigel Hayes were completely just coughing and choking and puking up games at the end like they did Against Notre Dame, if you remember that, because situational basketball isn't their thing and free throws aren't their thing, even though the style of play that Wisconsin implements dictates that those things be buttoned up, that the fundamentals, situational basketball and turnover prevention and making your free throws, that's at the core, right? That's a core responsibility. That's a responsibility when you play with basketball like this, because you're not going to shoot well most nights. You're not going to get a lot of production from your bench most nights because, let's be honest, you're not getting a lot of production from your starting lineup most nights. What do you fall back on? Don't turn the ball over and hit your free throws. And the Badgers don't do either because they're a hot mess at the end of games and they don't know how to play situational basketball. Ugh. 608-796-2558. Five-star telecom talking text line. If you want to join this complaining session, be happy to have you. Promise I won't yell and use a tone uh, when talking to listeners today. You can also reach us on Twitter at KeystrokerGrant and at WKTYBucks. Tip-off is at 6 o'clock tonight, so we're going to run right up into the Bucks starting there at uh, Indiana. So if you want to watch an elite NBA team, maybe the NBA is more of your style when it comes to watching basketball, and I think that's the way I'm headed as well. We talked about that on Monday, comparing the style of Wisconsin and Marquette to each other. Marquette won last night as well. They whooped up on DePaul, and, and it's weird enough if there's been one inferior team that's had Marquette's number the last couple of years, it has been DePaul. They win 92-73 last night, and I, I look over to the team across the state. Oh, Marcus Howard scored 36. Oh, how, how entertaining would that have been to watch? Ugh. But here we are, Wisconsin fans. This is the team, this is the team we got. I'm going to watch Marquette as well, and I want to see Marquette do well, too. And I know that they compete for recruits and, and all of that, and, and I know it's kind of contradictory, but... I'm going to watch both teams. I'm going to cheer for both teams. I'm not jumping off the Wisconsin bandwagon. I love this team, and that's the reason why I'm so upset and why I hate coming on here and talking about a game that we had last night. It's like that old George Jones song. Every team last night had a great opportunity. Michigan lost to Penn State, and Purdue's like, oh, we could pull closer. Oh, no, we're going to lose too. And then Michigan and Purdue lose, and the Badgers are like, oh, no, we, we have no interest. Nope, we, we don't need to win that game. So now the, the race of the Big Ten is on down the final couple of weeks as we approach the Big Ten tournament. Michigan's trying to fall back and Purdue's trying to jump up and who knows what Maryland is going to do and it's just a big cluster as everybody's trying to pass now each the other. Holding, comes the the this might be my favorite part of the show today is just listening to this song. To fall, Get so sick of... <laughs> I get so sick of this Badgers team. Love them. And and I'm not calling for Greg Gard to be fired. But the product and the style of play that this Badgers team plays is ugly. It's slow. It's meant to make teams who are superior in talent when, let's be honest, that's just about every team in the Big Ten if you're talking about the Badgers, right? Maryland's going to have better talent. They've had better recruits. Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue even. Minnesota's even got some talent. They got some athletic players who can run the floor and jump and shoot and rebound. The Badgers are the slow, the old man game of basketball, which some people love to patronize and love to watch. It's not really my thing, but we definitely have a huge following of that in the state. So you make those other teams with the better talent play an uglier brand of basketball. You take them out of their game. And that's that's fine. That's great. But if you can't be comfortable in crunch time and you can't be comfortable hitting your free throws and running out of bounce plays, and getting clutch buckets late, and running specific plays to get specific players the ball and specific shots that they like, you're not going to win games. And you're going to continue to falter at the end, and you're going to lose by 10 because you can't score in the final couple of minutes, and the other team is just going to out-talent you and out-hit shots because Ethan Happ is essentially eliminated from the game in the final couple of minutes. And until that changes, until they can hit free throws, and until they are comfortable in crunch time, they're going to continue to lose games like this, and it's going to come to a head again this year in the tournament, just like it has... For a good portion of Greg Gard's tenure so far. Even if it is in the Sweet 16. Even if it is all the way to the Elite 8. I don't know how that would happen. They're going to lose a game. That they probably should or definitely could have won. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. They're going to leave wins on the table. Until they can execute better down the stretch. Let's change topics because I'm going to get a headache. Uh, yesterday we we kind of broached the subject of Antonio Brown. He's been... Uh, um, apparently requested a trade. Now, the Steelers have been a lot quieter than actually Antonio Brown has, and we got some conversation rolling about that. So let's go back to that, because we had some discussion on Facebook and on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you on the five-star telecom talk and text line as well. More of the Wisco, to, more of the Wisco Sports Show, unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, less Wisconsin, more Green Bay, specifically coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm a winner! This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM, and streaming live at WKTYsports.com as well. I am your host, Graham Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you're having a good night. We just wrapped up some... Wisconsin Badgers basketball talk. There is more basketball on the way here on WKTY. Bucks Pacers tonight. Tip off at six. We're going to go right up to it. Hand it over to Ted Davis and some actual real basketball, some entertaining basketball. God, I'm I'm sorry. I'm taking a lot of shots at the Badgers today. Some real basketball going down at six o'clock with the Bucks. They're playing the Pacers, and then all week long, all evenings, uh, the rest of the week are going to have some sort of basketball here on WKTY. Bucks tonight. Uh, Central on Alaska, which was rescheduled to tomorrow. We'll have that tomorrow night, and then Aquinas. And Logan, I'll actually have the call for that one on Friday night. So a busy week in basketball here on WKTY. I want to transition and talk a little bit of Green Bay Packers football. Are you ready for some football? Specifically Antonio Brown, because last night we had had a lot of discussion. It was just kind of a little mini thing I threw in at the end of the show. Like, hey, by the way, what would you say if we talked about Antonio Brown, Green Bay Packers? What are your thoughts? And people had thoughts, had opinions. So I'm like, well, let's continue on this subject. So a couple of more details will release today. Now, the Steelers have been pretty quiet on it. Most of the discussion, most of the quote-unquote announcements in terms of Antonio Brown's trade likelihood or even a trade request have come through Antonio Brown and his social media, which, go figure, right? So there hasn't been a lot of official talk from the Steelers or from their front office, but there have been some discussions floating around on, well, where would he fit, right? And, And the... The odds for which team Antonio Brown's actually going to be on for week one next year were released. This is per Bovada, or, or Odd Shark, excuse me, tweeted it out. Now, Steelers are the leader in the clubhouse, and they're a, kind of a substantial leader compared to the options who then fall behind him. I think there is sentiment uh, from a lot of people around the league and in the media who just believe that Antonio Brown's not actually going to get traded. You know, players request trades all the time. I mean, Antonio Brown requested a trade. He didn't get moved before the deadline. Now, next year by the trade deadline, we'll see how the Steelers look. If the Steelers start winning and winning at a high level next year, that might cure a lot of these problems. So let's keep that in mind. But if the Steelers start next year and they still have Antonio Brown, they haven't traded him yet, and they still look like a hot mess like they did last year, that could change. And then he would be moved. So let's get into these betting odds just to get an example of, Vegas knows a lot. Vegas makes a lot of money, and they don't do it on whims. Uh, Before we get into that, 608-796-2558, you can join in Packers or the Vikings. I threw them both out there. Would Antonio Brown make sense for either one of these teams? Vegas seems to think so. There's only two teams in front of the Packers, other than the Steelers, uh, who have higher odds to land Antonio Brown before week one of next season. The 49ers, or plus 285, they are, outside of the Steelers, the big leader I should say outside of the clubhouse because they're not in the clubhouse. The Cowboys are plus 900, as are the Packers. Then it's Bills, Cardinals, Colts, Jets, Saints, Dolphins. And then we're, we're just kind of throwing darts at the wall at that point. One thing that I want to say, Antonio Brown seems to want out of Pittsburgh. He really wants out of Pittsburgh. I mean, I, I look at this list and outside the Packers, there's a little bit of question mark, uh, a question mark, by all of these quarterbacks. L- let's not... Let's not get this twisted. Antonio Brown has been blessed with a very stable organization, with a good front office, a, a uh, an owner who's not meddling and not constantly messing up things in the football realm of his team. He's had a Hall of Fame quarterback, good offense, great offensive line this year, and a running game. I mean, there's really no reason for Antonio Brown to be upset with the football side. Now, maybe there's personal reasons with Mike Tomlin or, or personal reasons with the front office. We're not privy to that, obviously, and we probably never will be. But the 49ers, look, Jimmy Garoppolo is coming off an ACL tear, and let's be real, we all think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a great franchise quarterback. He's being paid like he's going to be a f- great franchise quarterback, but for the most part, we saw him start five games on a team that had no expectations, no pressure, at the end of the season two years ago. I mean, it's, it's not decided, it's not a foregone conclusion that Jimmy Garoppolo is it. Much like Dak Prescott... In Dallas, who's the number two team with the odds right in front of the Packers, 49ers, Cowboys, Packers, and then the Bills, at plus 1,200. Why? Because they have picks? Yeah, you, Antonio Brown, you want to go play in Buffalo? Uh Uh-huh. You want to go play for the Cardinals? Uh Uh-huh. They might not, they might draft another quarterback. They might take Kyler Murray and trade the guy they already have. And they have no offensive line. You want that? Start to, you start to think like, man, Antonio, why do you actually want out? But he does. That's the nature of the situation. We're talking about it. The Packers are the third team behind the 49ers and the Cowboys outside of the Steelers in the betting odds. That's per Bovada. And there are reasons, just like there were reasons that the Packers were rumored for Khalil Mack this offseason, right? Because we knew that they were going to have those extra picks, that they had a a good amount of cap space coming up, right? Should players, like Randall Cobb, Clay Matthews, free agent to be coming off the books, they could make that cap space. They could make it happen. And then these are these are all the reasons, right? Why the Packers for Antonio Brown? Well, Vegas, I shouldn't say this. Vegas may or may not be privy to conversations. They might have sources. They might not. Most likely, they're looking at the nature and the hard facts. And that is the Packers have two first-round picks. They have 10 picks overall. They have a lot of draft picks. They have a, a good amount of cap space for a team who is paying Aaron Rodgers as much as they are. They have over $40 million in cap space. And, and that could go up. They could have more depending on what they do. In terms of some of their free agents, they are choosing to or to not bring back. They do need another playmaker. It's not like the Packers are super comfortable at wide receiver, right? They have Devontae Adams, and you like Geronimo Allison as a tertiary or an ancillary piece. But he I don't, I don't want Geronimo Allison as a number two if I am Brian Gutekens. I think that probably puts too much pressure on him, especially in what I like to do when we look at position groups to say, okay, if your best guy gets hurt, meaning if Devontae Adams gets hurt, where are you? If the Packers stay where they are right now, you're going to have a bunch of second-year players and Geronimo Allison. I don't love that. Now, we don't want we don't want to see Devontae Adams get hurt. That's obviously the worst-case scenario, but you have to factor that in. You need a you need a number 2 of some kind. Whether that's a veteran you bring in through free agency or through a trade like in this case with Antonio Brown Antonio Brown would probably like the idea of playing with Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers probably assume that whatever personality issues that Antonio Brown had and what the drama that he created could probably be quelled by the presence of Aaron Rodgers. At least that could be the logic of their thinking. It would be one thing for Antonio Brown to get traded to the Bills, and he's the big name in the in, in town. He would probably feel the need to try to belittle a Josh Allen, or belittle, I don't even know, whoever the Bills have coaching him. Is it still Sean McDermott? You bring him into Green Bay, the organization looms larger than the player. And the biggest player in the organization, which is still paling in comparison to the Green Bay Packers and their 100-year history, is Aaron Rodgers. It would not be Antonio Brown. So the logic of that thinking, I think, makes a lot of sense. And let's let's face it. Since becoming general manager, Brian Gutekinds has actually been pretty aggressive. He was in on the Khalil Mack talk last summer. We assume and we think that the Packers were one of those finalist teams. So it gives you a little bit of precedent where there typically would be none for a second-year general manager. There are reasons that Antonio Brown to the Green Bay Packers makes sense. Now, those are on paper. Those are not personal conversations, personal opinions, right? That That's just what we know. How many draft picks? How much cap space? What is the nature of the, the position? The position group, specifically the wide receivers in this case. W- what organization is it? Is it an organization like the Green Bay Packers who could absorb a player who's been issues in other places. Now, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, that might be one thing. You're kind of inviting a circus into a place that already has had issues with circus-type players. Or a team like the Seahawks. The Seahawks have absorbed big personalities for years. A place like that makes sense. They kind of they almost wrap their arms around personalities in Seattle. Now, they don't necessarily do that in Green Bay. They certainly do that from the don't do that from the fans' perspective. But Brian Gutekunst and by extension, you know, Mark Murphy and the rest of that front office might be thinking, "Well, we we're we're, we are the damn Green Bay Packers. We've been here for 100 years and nothing can be bigger than that green and gold logo. Get Antonio Brown in here and we'll make it work." That might be the thinking. Now, that's an assumption. Right, That's a that's a, a speculation that we're drawing from what we know. We haven't heard Brian Gutekunst speak on it. We haven't heard Mike, or Mark Murphy or Matt LaFleur speak on it. We're just drawing conclusions. We're trying to draw conclusions from what we know. And we don't know a whole lot, but it's something. I want to get your thoughts on maybe if you are the Packers or the Vikings. I don't want to exclude the Vikings here either because both of these teams are in a position. The Vikings are in win now mode. The nature of the players that they have under contract and and currently where they sit. They are in windmill. This is going to be a Super Bowl or bust year once again. And the Packers, by the nature of their organization, it's kind of always Super Bowl or bust, but especially now that the window is closing smaller and smaller on Aaron Rodgers' career, they are also in win-now mode. This is a trade that would make sense if either one of these teams could swing it, and it comes at a price that makes sense for either organization. So let's talk about that. I want to get your reaction on the five-star telecom talking text line. 608-796-2558. We'll also turn to Facebook. We'll also turn to Twitter because there's been a lot a lot of discussion about this topic. That's why I brought it back for 2 days in a row because I didn't think we got into it enough yesterday. So we'll continue that conversation. Buts basketball coming up in 15 minutes as well. A lot to come here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hopping aboard and hanging out. We've covered a lot of ground today. I've had a good time. As mad as I was talking about the Badgers, it's been a fun show, and we're talking about Packers right now. We'll get to draft talk here in a week or two, so we'll have plenty of Packers on our plate before too long. You know, as the combine starts to near, and we actually have more, if something physical to latch onto, start to get more serious into the mock drafts, and, and more serious uh, into actual physical details about these players and where they might be drafted. We're a little bit away, so it's nice to have some Packers conversation that's not so speculative and so wide open. We're talking about Antonio Brown. He is available, or apparently he has requested a trade. That is through his Twitter account. Now, there is a growing belief, or a strong belief, including Vegas, that Antonio Brown's not going anywhere, that he's going to beat a Week 1 player for the Steelers next year. But... It's still fun to talk about, right? The, the betting odds were released. We just went over those. After the Steelers, it is the 49ers, then the Cowboys, then the Packers at plus 285, plus 900, and plus 900 piece for the Cowboys and the Packers. And it makes sense, right? We were talking about all those reasons. Packers have a lot of picks, including two in the first round. They have a handsome amount of cap space, and they could up that number. We talked about 40 million thereabouts right now. They could up that, depending on how they manage their free agents to be. They're a historic organization who could probably absorb a big personality, at least in the short term if they wanted to. And no matter who they bring in, they're not going to cast a bigger shadow and create more attention than Aaron Rodgers is going to. So you like maybe the Packers' ability to deal with a big personality like Aaron Rodgers or like Antonio Brown, excuse me. 608-796-2558, shoot me a text, give me a call on what you would give if you are Brian Gutekunst and you're calling up the Steelers' front office, Kevin Colbert, and you probably with a trade this huge, I know I know the Roonies don't get involved in football a lot, but they might be in on this as well. And you and you say, look, we know you have Antonio Brown under contract. He wants a trade he wants out. Let's take him off your let's take him off your hands, right? Rick Spielman, Brian Gudekins, Vikings, Packers, you're calling. What is your best offer? What would you make? What would you start at? What would you go up to? Let's talk details. Let's play a little bit armchair GM. Uh, so, 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. Twitter as well, at WKTY and at grand. Either will do the trick. Let's check Facebook. Always a lot of conversation going on. Corey says Packers are the only team that should realistically offer a first-round pick, as they have two of them. All other teams are probably offering late second-round picks at best. Dude is on a terrible deal for his age and position, even being one of the top receivers in the league. Okay, Corey, I, I definitely agree with the first half of your message there, but do a little bit of research. Antonio Brown's contract is actually—it's pretty manageable. It's a pretty easy contract. It's a pretty easy to absorb contract. It's not an Odell Beckham style contract, right? It's—it's it's not a John Henson contract that the or a Della Vidova contract that the Bucks unloaded. It's actually pretty reasonable and it's pretty manageable in the years to come. And when we talk about Antonio Brown's age, he's thirty. Like he's not ancient. He's not Larry Fitzgerald. And even with Larry Fitzgerald, who's as old as I can remember, he's still he's still contributing. He's still an effective player, even at Larry Fitzgerald's age. So I, let's not overplay Antonio Brown's age. Let's not overplay his contract because it's not as bad as you might think. Now I'm not look, I'm not a math genius. I'm not a sports analytics whiz. I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of why the contract works and, and why it doesn't. It's, it's a manageable contract. And it's not necessarily a Khalil Mack type of colossal amount of money that I would take on. Uh, Tony says the 30th overall pick is in play, but my guess is 44 and 76, which would be the next rounds down. They may swap some later round picks and have the Packers move up. The Vikings can't get him in under the cap without a lot of sacrifice. Too much, so Vikings, uh, Tony's saying it's too much for his Vikings. Steelers would need to restructure his contract to make the Vikings happy. Packers have the cap space regardless, and Rodgers is the Hall of Fame QB. Will they have the picks to rebuild the O-line and let Aaron Rodgers throw? And I agree, Tony, that's a big piece in all of this too. When When the Packers start to trade away picks, they have to prioritize, and they have to think, they have to prioritize. Let's leave it at that. Assuming, I don't think the Packers are willing to trade away the 12th overall pick for Antonio Brown. 30, absolutely. Now, ideally, you'd like to move down a little bit farther. You know, start talking third, fourth round picks or second round picks. But 30, I I would give up 30 for Antonio Brown if it didn't include much more than a 30th overall pick, which is their second of their first round selections. But they also got to patch up the offensive line and they also get get an edge rusher or a playmaker on defense. I'm down for an elite linebacker. Heck, I'm down if you think there's a a can't miss prospect at safety. I'm down for that too. I'm not taking a project like Josh Jones or somebody to be a hybrid. I want a pl- I want a player. I don't want an athlete. I don't want somebody you think you can move around to be versatile. I want a G-dang player at number 12. It doesn't have to be an edge rusher, although I think that's the way they'll go especially given the nature of this draft. That 30th overall pick I think is it's dispensable for the Packers. I think that would be a good a good asset to move for Antonio Brown. T- Todd says 10 bucks. Give up ten bucks for Antonio Brown. Scott chimes in. He says a third con or a third round pick. He wants a new contract. Well, if I'm the Packers, I'm not giving Antonio Brown a new contract. Why would you? He's under contract for the next two or three years. That's plenty. And as manageable as I am making his contract seem, it's still a handsome price. He's still making a pretty penny. And he's going to be in Green Bay. Which let's let's be honest, moving from the Steelers to Green Bay, you're you're playing for blue bloods. You're playing for historic franchises. You're not going to Buffalo or Miami. That would absolutely tank Antonio Brown's grade. He's going to have eyes on him in Green Bay. Playing with Aaron Rodgers, he's going to make highlight reels, he's going to get interviews, all that stuff. So I think Green Bay is appealing, just for Antonio Brown, who who seems very materialistic. Right? He's not all about the football. He's about his brand. He's a business. Business is booming. It's always what he says. I think it's good for business to be in a place like Green Bay. Miami, Buffalo, uh-uh. I don't think that would work for Antonio Brown. I don't think it would work for those franchises as well. 30th overall pick, I'm definitely I would start with that if I was the Packers. I'd say, yeah, we're we're absolutely open to that 30th overall pick, that first round pick, the second of our first round selections. If that's what it takes, yeah, I would start there. I wouldn't waste time because I think that's what you're going to get to anyways. The Packers aren't going to trade the 12th overall pick for Antonio Brown. And when the Steelers come around and say, "Well, the 30th pick, what about the 12th?" The Packers are like, "Nah." Sorry, do you have anything better? I can hang up the phone and hopefully at that point talk to the Steelers and they'd say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, we can talk 30th. We can talk 30th." I don't know how the negotiations would go. I don't know what Brian Gutekunst is thinking. But I think this Antonio Brown discussion is very interesting because let's be real here. The Packers in my mind have a couple of needs. Number 1 is an outside pass rusher because they have been lacking in that role for a long time and they have yet to address it. They need a safety. And then past those two players, I think they need one more playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. Whether that's a corner they really like, whether that's a linebacker inside or outside that they really like, I think the one position that you like, especially if Muhammad Wilkerson comes back, which it sounds like he wants to, on that is you're good on the defensive line. I want an edge rusher, I want a safety, and a playmaker anywhere else but D-line. And I think your defense is well on its way. You also need to adjust your offensive line, and you need some depth at wide receiver. A 30th overall pick which is essentially a second-round pick, late first, early second, and you immediately get a superstar-caliber player. You don't have to wait for that player to develop. You get a superstar-caliber player with the 30th pick in the draft who's under contract for for a small handful of years here. You get him for a window, and that contract's pretty manageable. I'm doing that deal. That's a great return on investment. Now, the 12th overall pick is a different conversation. Because you can get a building block who's under club control and who's a lot cheaper and who's going to be on the team probably much longer than Antonio Brown would be. But the 30 overall pick, yeah. Because how many times have we said, well, the Packers can't get a playmaker at 30 or at 27 or 26 or wherever they've been picking? Well, here you go. Because if the Steelers are willing to negotiate around that 30th overall pick, and it would probably take some one other facet, one other pick, one other player, oh, hell yeah. Because the return on investment compared to what you're going to get actually selecting a player at 30, oh, man. Hell Yeah. Do it all day, seven days a week. Seven days a week, I'm trading that 30th pick for Antonio Brown. If it's that not a whole lot more, you're going to have to include maybe a third or a fourth or a fifth. I- I'm giving up that 30th pick in a heartbeat. That's a great return on investment, which is really the way you got to look at it. Bucks play tonight, a six o'clock tip. So minutes, not even minutes after this show wraps up, you can hear the Bucks here on WK2I. They're taking on the Pacers. I will talk to you tomorrow, same time, same place. Can't wait.